John chapter 18 in your Bibles. Quickly, John 18. I'm going to give um, uh, just the quickest introduction that I've given, or rather recap that I've given, and we're going to get right into uh, the rest of our outline. And in the next 35 minutes, try to cover uh, the rest of the chapter this evening. And I'll just say this here as a disclaimer. Uh, we could spend months in any one of these chapters. There is um, so much here. And it is not my intent to exhaust the passage. If that was my intent, then we would never uh, accomplish it. But it is my intent to give you a cursory understanding of each chapter of the Bible so that you can dive deeper into it on your own, whet your appetite, if I will. John 18, let's stand for reading God's Word. Verse 1 through verse 5, we'll read by way of uh, opening, and then we'll quickly uh, recap and then get into the rest of the uh, uh, passage. Verse 1 says, When Jesus had spoken these words, He went forth with His disciples over the brook Cedron, where was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that would come unto him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Title of the Bible study out of John 18, again, is this, Abusing the Truth. We began this Bible study two Wednesday nights ago. We had a missionary, Dan Brown, with us last week. And so we'll quickly recap and then get right back into the rest of the passage. God, we pray tonight you give us an understanding ear and heart. Lord, uh, many of us have been distracted with the weather outside the last few days. And Lord, just other going, goings on in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray the Word of God tonight would settle our hearts. And Lord, we grow uh, in our knowledge of truth. And Lord, be sanctified by it. And Lord, we be set free by it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Abusing the truth, uh, we talked about how that Jesus is truth. And we laid out for us a handful of attributes of truth. We said that truth is divine. We said truth is singular. Truth is absolute. Truth is eternal. And truth is authoritative. We looked at several verses in regards to this idea. His persecution. John's purpose in writing this gospel was not to give us a full historical record. John's purpose in the gospel was to take those parts of the story that highlighted the divinity of Christ and uh, shine the light on those. John is silent about the Lord's agony in the garden. He's silent about a great deal. He does not tell of the Lord's claim to have power to summon heaven's host to his aid. He is silent about the traitor's kiss, about the Lord's desertion by all the disciples, about the false witnesses, the adjuration, the great confession, about the examination before Herod, about Pilate's wife's message, about Pilate's hand washing, about the self-imposed curse of the Jews, about the impressment of Simon to carry the cross, about the mockery at Calvary, about the darkness, about the terrible orphan cry, about the earthquake, the rendering of the veil, the confession of the centurion, about the repentance of one of the thieves. He shares none of these details 
uh, in his gospel, although John could have written about uh, these things, he passed over them. Matthew, Mark and Luke already had done these. John was the last of the four gospels to be written. John never intended his gospel to just be a historical supplement to the other gospels. His concern, again, was his emphasis of the person of Christ and especially those signs that underscored his deity. So with that out of the way, last uh, two weeks ago, we looked at number one, we looked at Christ's arrest. Verses one through three talks about the disloyalty of Judas, the disloyalty of Judas. We see Judas who had followed Jesus there for three plus years Uh, He decided that he wanted to betray his master over 30 measly pieces of silver. He would later regret that. We know from other gospel accounts he would throw them down at the feet of the Sanhedrin and regret his decision. And then uh, he would go and kill himself. And Judas was disloyal to the Lord. Letter B, we looked at the dominance of Jesus. Verses 4 and 9 share with us something that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not share. Uh, we're told they come out looking for Jesus and they ask, uh, uh, Jesus asks, Whom seek ye? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am or I am he. And upon his declaration of being the I am, uh, they all fall backwards. They're all knocked to the ground at the power of his words. As they're picking themselves up, this army of Roman soldiers and the temple police that are there to arrest him as they're picking themselves up off the ground from the powerful words of Jesus. Again, he asks, whom seek ye? I'm sure they were more hesitant to answer the question this time. Nonetheless, again, they reply, Jesus of Nazareth, he shields his disciples. He uses his dominance to protect his disciples as he had so prophesied just a chapter earlier in John 17, uh, verse number 12. And they take Jesus away at his uh, at his willingness to go. Again, Jesus said in John 10, he said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. Then letter C is where we left off. We see the drama of Peter, the drama of Peter. Look with me at verse number 10 and verse number 11. The Bible says, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Everywhere Peter went, he seemed to be the drama, right? Drama just seemed to follow Peter everywhere he went. And uh, Peter draws his sword, whacks off Malchus's ear, and the Lord has to put it back. So that's number one, Christ's arrest. Then we moved on and we looked at number two, Christ's arraignment. He was arraigned there in uh, court. Letter A, we see the disorder of the Jews. And I read out of uh, the Mishnah, uh, which is uh, the Jewish commentary on the Torah and additional uh, uh, rules they were to follow. The Jewish Sanhedrin, uh, the trial of Jesus was illegal by their own writings. And that Mishnah they followed back then can still be found today. I read in great length of what was required of someone who was being accused of blasphemy and uh, what was uh, to be uh, the rules that were to be followed. None of those rules, none of those proceedings were followed 
the uh, trial of Jesus by the Sanhedrin, the religious court, was completely illegal, completely out of disorder. Then we looked at letter B, the discretion of Jesus. Um, We looked at verses 19 through 24, how Jesus chose His words very carefully. And Jesus was truth, but He knew exactly what to say. And He did not give them anything uh, by which they could take and crucify Him. They had to bring in two witnesses to get their stories to line up. And uh, we looked at, uh, again, uh, not not to rehash, but we looked at Jesus and His discretion. This is where we left off. Letter C, we got to this one and we stopped. The denial of Peter. All right. Now let's dive in here. We've got about uh, let's see, 35 minutes here to finish the uh, uh, the, the the outline and, and, the, and the text here. Let's see where we get. Look at verse 15, and we see Peter here. The Bible says, "And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known to the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without." Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. Now, here's some details that we don't get from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The damsel, the little girl that confronts Peter... She had an assignment in the temple courtyard. There was a a gate around the courtyard and then obviously a place there, a building inside that uh, uh, courtyard uh, where Jesus was being tried. Peter is let into the gate by a damsel, a young lady. She is the one that will confront him and say, Aren't you one of Jesus's disciples? Look at verse 18. And the servant and officer stood there who had made a fire of coals for it was cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So if you ever see a betrayal of this and you see Peter warming his hands by, you know, a typical bonfire with wood, that would be inaccurate. This bonfire was made out of coals. All right. Much like what you do to cook over, uh, cook, cook food on a grill. But they had no doubt some kind of a pit there and coals were lit. And so they could stand there and warm themselves. And that's where uh, Peter was. Now, interesting here that it says that a disciple A disciple of Jesus that was known unto the high priest, verse 15, uh, was the one that let Peter in. There's been a lot of speculation about who this disciple was. Let's quickly look at the possibilities here, all right? Uh, Many believe, many believe, and I would say I grew up believing that this was John the disciple, that John followed Jesus in. And what, what would be the reason to believe that this was John? Well, all throughout the book, John speaks of himself in the third person as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so uh, uh, out of modesty, John being modest and not wanting to talk himself up or use his own name, he would talk about the disciple whom Jesus loved. And uh, you may remember there in the upper room, uh, John was the one who put his head on the chest breast of Jesus there was the one that would ask Jesus about um, uh, who it was that was going to betray him. And so many believe this to be John, although the passage does not uh, implicitly or explicitly say that. Uh, uh, But uh, in my study for this, some have implied that it could have been Nicodemus. Now, I'd never given this any thought. Nicodemus was 
back in John 3, had it, uh, uh, had it laid out to him there that, uh, that um, uh, he was witnessed to by the Lord. We do that know that Nicodemus would be one of the two uh, disciples of Jesus that would take him down off the cross and prepare his body for burial. Nicodemus did not leave the Sanhedrin, but rather stayed with the Sanhedrin while believing in Jesus. Nicodemus would have been naturally in place to be there in uh, the uh, in that courtyard or even there at the trial of Jesus and would have been someone who would have known Peter and could have let him in. The other uh, uh, possibility is Joseph of Arimathea, who was also a religious man and would have known the high priest and both known Peter. So we don't know who it was, but those are some interesting thoughts. So Peter is there, and what does Peter do? Well, Peter ends up denying the Lord. Look at verse 25. Not only did he deny the damsel, we get more details about someone else he denied to. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Uh, they said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied not and said, I am not. So that's the second time. He had the damsel confront him, and now he's had the group confront him. Look at verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did I not see thee in the garden with him? So Malchus is in the garden. Malchus is the servant of the high priest. Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. Malchus had a relative with him in the garden, and so this relative recognizes Peter and says, Hey, buddy, you cut my, my, my relative's ear off. I recognize you. You were with him. Now, maybe he did or didn't say all that, but he definitely did recognize him. 27, verse 27, Peter then denied again. And immediately the cock crew. Now we know from Matthew, Mark, and Luke that this third time Peter denied, not only did he deny, but he cursed. He began to swear. And Peter denied the Lord. I uh, saw something today, read something today that, that uh, really touched my heart. Peter denied the Lord how many times? Three times. How many times after Jesus rose from the dead did Jesus ask Peter, Do you love me? Three times. He denied him three times, and Jesus had him tell him three times, Lord, I love thee. Lord, I love thee. Lord, I love thee. God didn't give up on him. Amen? I think you mentioned consistency earlier. A couple of you in here mentioned faithful. God is faithful. Aren't you glad that when we let him down, he just comes behind us and he restores us? Amen? Isn't that great? Peter denied the Lord, the denial of Peter. And we move on now to number three. We see not only Christ arrested and Christ arraigned. Notice number three, Christ accused. Christ accused. Letter A, we see the contempt of the Jews. Boy, the Jews, they hated Jesus. They, there was a contempt there. Uh, they hated him. Look at verse number 28. They then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. 
The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. You see, the Romans only executed by way of crucifixion. And Jesus had prophesied that he would die by way of persecution. It's fascinating. Um, in preparation to go to Israel, that didn't, ended up not happening. I watched a lot of archaeology videos. There's a Christian man over in Israel who uh, has done archaeological digs all over the uh, uh, greater Israel area. And uh, he believes he's uncovered this Bemis seat where Pilate sat to judge Jesus from right outside what would have been Herod's palace. And uh, there is a, uh, uh, if you look at all of the evidence he presents, uh, to me it's a slam dunk case that that was the place where he was. Now, uh, he, did not, he did not judge Jesus inside his palace. Rather, he came to the gate that would have surrounded the palace and he had an area there where he would stand and then there was a courtyard area where the Jews would have gathered and uh, they would have... Uh, uh, he, Pilate would have worked with the Jews from that courtyard. They were not going to enter in. In fact, uh, throughout this chapter, uh, we read that he went in and he came out. And he went in and he came out. I counted seven times Pilate would go in and out to appease the Jewish uh, leaders. Now, this is fascinating to me. This is also a steep in irony. They refused, the Jewish leaders, to enter into Herod's palace because of the paganism that was in there, because it was an unholy site, and they did not want to defile themselves where they would have to go through a cleansing process. Why? Because they later that evening wanted to participate in offering their Passover lambs. Now think about that. They didn't want to defile themselves so they could go through the ceremony of offering a Passover lamb while they were responsible for delivering up the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. They were responsible for turning Jesus over so that He would be killed. Their contempt put Jesus on trial. Their hatred would lead to the offering of the ultimate Passover lamb so that the angel of death would pass over me and you where the blood of Jesus would be applied to our hearts. The contempt of the Jews. Turn over to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 17. They hated Jesus. In fact, uh, when they were delivered over, they delivered Jesus over to Pilate. Pilate said, why are you giving him to me? They weren't even ready to answer the question. They were so juiced with emotion back in John 18. They said, if he weren't a mouth actor, would we give him over to you? They weren't even ready initially to answer the question. They had to drum up the charge of him being against uh, uh, Caesar and against the throne, against uh, Rome, uh, in order for Pilate to even consider their request. Look at verse number 17, Matthew chapter 20. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests, unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and they shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. There's Jesus prophesying of what death he would die, and we see John 18 tells us that that prophecy 
would indeed come true. Verse 32, then the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, that the saying of Jesus rather might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. The contempt of the Jews. Letter B, we see the confusion of Pilate. The confusion of Pilate. From verse 33 down through verse 40, there are six questions uh, that are asked of Pilate to Jesus. Let's read them and then I'll uh, alliterate for you those six questions. Look at verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Question one. Jesus saith unto him, Sayest thou this of thyself or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Here's the second question. Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. Here's the third question. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not, uh, be, should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not uh, from thence. Here comes the fourth question. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, fifth question, What is truth? And when he, and when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all, but... Ye have a custom that I should release unto you at the Passover. Here's the sixth question. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let me, let's look at these six questions closely here. If you have a pen, write these down there below. I believe these will be on the screen. Is that right, Brother Joe? It's going to be on the screen. There we are. All right, here's the first question. The salient Question, the salient question. Look at me at verse 33 and verse 34. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? What was the accusation of the, of the Jews against Jesus? It was that he claimed to be a king. And it was high treason to declare yourself a king, to try to take uh, leadership or rulership or lead a revolt against the king of Rome, the, the Roman Empire. And that was high treason. And so when they came uh, to them, they delivered up Jesus. They said he claims to be a king. And uh, this was interesting. This was interesting because uh, the Jews, Jewish people were looking to revolt from Rome, looking for a, a, a person who would lead them away. And so why would they bring one of their own uh, in, in for this uh, charge when anyone who wanted to lead a revolt was praised amongst the Jews, yet they delivered him over for this? This was curious. Uh, this was confusing for Pilate, we see the salient question, art thou 
the king of the Jews. And that brings us to uh, Jesus' response in verse 34. Jesus saith unto him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Jesus uh, dodges the question. He does not, at least at this point, say, Yes, I am a king. He says, Are you are you asking me, am I a king? Is this something that you think, or did other people Put this in your head. Let her, uh, uh, notice the next question. That is the scornful question. Look at verse 35. We see the pushback. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Am I a Jew? He's scoffing. Am I, listen, I, who am I to answer your question? If, if, if I was told this or someone said it of me, he says, I am not one of yours. To judge you, he says, uh, that is a question uh, for your own people. I am not a Jew. You declare yourself to be a Jewish king. Again, the curiosity there. Why would they deliver Jesus over uh, uh, to be crucified over uh, trying to lead a revolt when every Jew wanted a revolt against Rome? The confusion. Then we see the serious question next. The serious question. Look at verse 35 B, the question is, what hast thou done? 35B, uh, uh, P- Peter answered, or Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered it unto me. Here it is, the serious question, what hast thou done? What hast thou done, Jesus? Why are you here? Why do they bring you to me? How did you offend your own uh, 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 rulership, your own religious order so deeply? What is it that you've done that's gotten them to give up on you, to get angry at you, to, to arrest you by night, to bring you in here with such passion and turn you over to die? Jesus, what did you do? What hast thou done? Verse 37 leads us to the sobering question. Verse 37, look there. Pilate uh, therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? There's the question, Art thou a king then? Look how Jesus so craftily and carefully answers this question. Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus is saying, I am indeed a king, but I'm not a king of this earth. I'm a king of the heaven above. He said, I'm a king of a whole other kingdom. And he said, if I wanted to, I'd have my servants rise up and fight. And even the Roman kingdom wouldn't stand a chance. He said, I'm here of my own volition. He said... um, I am, I am a king. I am a king, and I'm not only a king, Pilate, I am your king. I am your king. We see there the sobering question. And then we come to the most interesting of the six questions, and that's the speculative question. Look at verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, here's the question, What is truth? Hey, isn't that the question that's been asked throughout all of human history? Isn't that the question, the question of all questions? What is truth? What is truth? Pilate asked the wrong question. 
here. Pilate should have asked, who is truth? Because the answer is that truth was standing right in front of him. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. He had truth standing in front of him. Now, truth comes in two forms. There is the written truth. That's this right here. How many believe the Bible has all of the answers to life's questions? Amen? This is truth. This is truth. We know this to be the written word. Jesus is known as the living word. He's the living word. Amen? Amen. There Jesus stood in front of him. What did he do with Jesus? He beat him. He abused him. He ordered those Roman soldiers to take him and whip him. In that archaeological video where they show uh, the the former uh, courtyard and uh, the, the high wall and what appeared to be the Bema seat, uh, right on the other side of that high wall sits a parking lot. A parking lot sits over uh, Herod's former palace. Or Pilate's former palace, rather. Fascinating enough, while he was making this video, they were doing some excavating work, repairing the parking lot. They dug up the parking lot and just about 15 feet below the parking lot was the floor, was a palace, a palace floor with all of the decorative artwork that would adorn the palace of a Roman elite. There it was, there it is, right there to be seen. As I watched that, I had to pause the video and I had to stop and think that that could have been the very spot where they beat the back of my Jesus. That could have been the very spot maybe where Pilate questioned Jesus as he took him into the courtyard there. That was the place where truth was abused. Tonight you may be wondering, what is truth, Pastor Lejeune? There's so much conjecture. There's so much opinion. You preach and, and you open the Bible and you share and you illustrate. How do we know what is true and what is not? We know what is true because God has given us the Bible. It is the written form of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. How do Christians abuse truth? Here's how we abuse truth. It's not by putting a, a crown of thorns on a head or, 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 or beating with a cat of nine tails. Uh, it's not the spitting and the smiting and the ripping of the beard. How do we abuse truth? By knowing what is true and choosing not to do what it says. That's how we abuse the truth. By changing the truth 
to match our lifestyle. Now listen to me now. Listen to me. If this is truth, this is the standard of truth, and this is where you're living, one of two things will eventually take place. Listen now. You'll either raise your living to match the standard of truth, or you'll justify uh, your living by bringing the standard of truth, uh, in your opinion, down to where you live. But this gap of, of what's truth and where we live in our own mind won't exist forever. We're either going to adjust it down to where we want to live, or we're going to work to raise ourselves up to live to that standard of truth. So many people today, they want to water down the truth and pollute the truth and abuse the truth to bring it down to themselves and they ask a speculative question. Well, what is truth even anyway? And the truth, the, 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 the answer is that truth is clearly defined in Scripture. It is not our place to bend the truth. It is our place to bend our behavior to be in line with truth. Lastly, the sixth question, we see the scandalous question. Look at verse 38. Verse 38b. This is disgusting what Pilate does here. He goes back to being a politician. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews. And saith unto him, saith unto them, Look at this, look at this profession by Pilate. I find in him no fault at all. So, Pilate. If you find in him no fault, then what should you do? You should let him go. But Pilate's not going to do that because Pilate is a politician and he knows he needs to play to his constituency in order to appease them. You see, the Jewish people were difficult to rule and govern. And if he could throw a bone to their Jewish leaders, then he indeed would uh, give himself more leeway uh, with things, and he knew what they wanted. So look at the politics he plays here. Thirty-nine. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you at the Passover. Will ye therefore look at his mockery here that I release unto you the King of the Jews? There's the scandalous question. Should I release him unto you? Is he the one that I should let go? Verse forty. They. Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas was a robber. They would rather Barabbas go free than Jesus. And can I share something beautiful with you about Barabbas? I imagine Barabbas, and, and I'll up, up admit, admit openly, this is speculatory on my part. The Bible does not say this. Let me again repeat this. The Bible does not say this. This is speculation on my part, but I wonder if Barabbas did not watch at a distance as Jesus was crucified and hear the raucous that went around that and think to himself, that should have been me. That should have been me up there. Barabbas is a picture of me and you. We're the robber. We're the sinner. But Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could be set free. Oh, what love divine. Oh, how beautiful that Jesus was willing to die in our place. We're so unworthy. Yet He loved us so. 
You know, Jesus could have walked away from that trial anytime he wanted. He was God. But he stayed. Let them beat him and curse him and hate him so that you and I could know salvation. Next week we'll get into John chapter 20, or John 19 and we'll look at how they crucified Jesus. It's going to be a sobering message. I hope you'll come ready to worship our Lord and Savior for all He did for us. Amen? Amen. Let's not abuse the truth. We live in a time where we have it. We have it in physical form. We have it in digital form. Three, four, five Bibles in our homes. Two, three, four Bible apps. Devotional guides. We have truth everywhere. Let's not abuse it. Let's do our best to go forth and live it. Amen?